What happens when a group of podcast hosts and co-hosts gather together to talk about community during deconstruction? Well, you're about to find out because we recorded it. We're podcasters. It's what we do. So the Uncertain Podcast discussed deconstruction in Season 1, Episode 2, titled Comfort with the Discomfort of Uncertainty. But it's been a while since we've addressed it specifically. It can get a bad rap in many evangelical spaces. In fact, a lot of us have lost our communities because of it. However, deconstruction is actually really healthy and we should all be doing it. So, what is deconstruction? Well, the best definition I can give is probably just an example. When I was a teenager, I lived in a community that believed that smoking was sinful. Seriously, no joke. Sometimes people associated smoking with someone's salvation. I actually heard two people that I can remember say, oh, they're not a Christian, they smoke, as if smoking and being non-Christian were synonymous. Eventually, I realized that the Bible had absolutely nothing to say about smoking, and the verses that people used to support this idea that smoking was sinful just didn't add up. So I concluded that making a decision about somebody's salvation based on whether they smoke was just a little bit weird. Now, I didn't come up with this belief system because I wanted to be a smoker. Other than the occasional smoking of a pipe, I don't smoke. I didn't need this to be true. I just realized the inconsistency in the belief of my community and the Bible. I deconstructed that belief and adopted a new belief system that was more in line with my core values at the time. See what I'm saying? We should all be doing this. But deconstructing can also lead to discovering inconsistencies that sometimes lead people to leaving a church or leaving evangelicalism altogether. I would propose that folks leave not always because we're having a crisis of faith, but because when we've asked questions, expressed doubt, or pointed out inconsistencies, we suddenly find the church is no longer welcoming. So with that out of the way, here's a roundtable discussion about community with a group of deconstructing podcasters. I'll link to each of the podcasts in the show notes. Be sure to give these people a follow. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. I am so excited that we are all in the same place. I have been a huge fan of each of your respective work and your voice within the deconstruction community. Can you go and introduce yourself and the name of your podcast? I'll start. My name is Melanie Mudge and I am with the Holy Heretics podcast and I'm joined by my co-host who is Gary Allen. I'm Emily, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Postmodern Fish podcast. Molly couldn't make it today, um, so I guess I'm speaking for both of us. I hope she's okay with that. <laughs> I'm Catherine Spearing, and I am the host of the Uncertain podcast. My name is William, and I am one of the hosts of the Space Between podcast, along with Katie. She's not here today as well, sadly. I am Tim Whitaker with the New Evangelicals podcast. I am so excited that you're all here. Obviously, I'm Joey with Dismantle Podcast, and 
this is such a fun conversation because it's something that rarely happens. We're usually the ones hosting perspectives and insights from other people who we respect and love and admire their work. But now we get to hear from the podcast hosts. And one of those questions uh, that I think all of us would love to answer, but we usually don't find space for it, is around this idea of community when deconstructing, whether that stays, whether that goes. Tim, can you talk to us a little bit about whether or not you lost a community, I say tongue-in-cheek, when you began deconstructing? I didn't lose it when I began deconstructing, (laughs) but I did, yeah, I did lose a church community about a month ago now. Actually, a month ago today. It's my one-month anniversary. As of this recording. So yeah, Ooh. cheers. Not really, but <laughs> yeah. So I did end up losing a community over this. Um, I was just told very nicely that either I change what I'm doing or stop one of the two, um, or I resign from my position uh, of pretty much volunteering at my church uh, consistently. So yep. Emily, have you had any familiar beats with that when you began deconstructing? Was there a loss in any way with your community? Um, well, when I began deconstructing, it was really interesting because I had just moved across the country as well. Um, so I already had lost quote unquote relationships just from my cross country move. Um, but I consider myself very much to be like a peacemaker and a problem solver. So I tried not to let relationships falter, but it got to a point where, I would have conversations with people um, who used to really uh, respect my opinion or at least respect and listen to what I had to say because I always agreed with them. And then when I started bringing up challenging questions or not agreeing with them, uh, all of a sudden their tone towards me became like very patronizing, very like, well, you don't know this and you don't know that. And so some of those relationships I've kind of just had to quietly step away from, which is sad, but better for my mental health right now. Let me pose this to everybody and feel free to just jump on. When we do lose that community, when we do lose that aspect of of close-knit relationships, it's usually because there is a sustainable, a substantial relationship pre-existing Now that that's not there, did you guys actually look back on some of those relationships and say they weren't really there in the first place? Was it was it sort of a a hindsight is 2020 look and and see that the relationship was built on something else? Oh, absolutely. I think for me, a lot of the relationships were built on what I had to offer. Um, And then once it was realized that I I didn't offer those same perspectives or didn't agree anymore it was like oh just like a slow falling out more than like a quick like let's cut it off but it was clear like they were the ones benefiting from that relationship more than I was I would say that mine was kind of based on uh my silence and and keeping silent and I I would say I was surprised at at the distance that happened and the separations, some of them that happened for sure. Yeah, I would say actually the more painful process of it was me not being able to be myself. Um, And so it wasn't so much that the relationship was built on, I don't know, sinking sand. It was that I was never able to be my full true self and had to, um, 
you know, I had to almost in some ways kind of live a lie or tell the half truth, especially when you're working at an evangelical organization. And, um, you know, Melanie and I both worked together and we were, we were kind of the resident heretics already. Um, but it was, it was tough. Um, it was tough, not only losing those relationships, but then looking back on yourself and feeling like that you had made, um, uh, you were acquiescent to a system that really didn't want you in the first place. And it actually, in some ways, kind of um, forced you to, to lie uh, about your core beliefs, because if you told the truth, you weren't going to be safe. Yeah, I had the experience where um, I was engaged at the time to the worship leader at the church I was part of. This was a few years ago now. So uh, if you're married, you probably know that planning a wedding uh, comes into sharp focus to people who are important in your life uh, when you're trying to make an invite list and balance every everyone coming. Um, and at that point in time, I was looking at this list going like all the people that I want to be there aren't. And this was just from the influence of like pastors and at the time being told by my then fiance that we needed to have the people that were going to be in our lives that were carrying the same vision, the same heart for the church and things like that. And now a few years on from that and removed and being engaged again. And now Katie and I are planning our wedding for this year. We're looking at the list and it's like all those people that I had excluded from that first list. I'm now going to have there in October to celebrate and to be part of it and you just see how a lot of the relationships were based on this like idea of being part of the same vision or the same cause and oftentimes that was just being behind the ideas of a singular pastor or authority or leadership figure well one thing that's important i think is that the evangelical church culture um has different definitions for the same terms. So when they say we're a community, they really mean as long as you conform and you serve, you're part of a family that is based on you serving and, and conforming. And so once you lose that glue of serving and conforming, you realize that a lot of your friendships, maybe not all, I still have several good friends that we see often, um, you know, that I built outside of, of the church, but you realize that um, oh, if we don't have this in common, naturally our lives just tend to drift apart. I'm not in church on Sunday morning. I'm not part of this team in the background. I don't agree theologically and we don't hang out for coffee. So I think that's a big part of this too. Yeah, I would say, I, I want to say no <laughs> for me and partially because of what Tim said, because it's not that they were necessarily like, um, unstable relationships or relationships built on poor foundation. But because when you do stop making church such a big part of your life, you naturally drift apart. And then for other friendships, I have to remember that the same um, type of toxicity that I see in the church and that I see in that whole system and organization, other Christians see toxicity in what I'm doing. And that's very hard for them to go through. Um, and obviously that's very painful for me to think that some people very close to me consider deconstruction to be toxic, but I do have to keep in the back of my mind that it's because of how they were raised and just what they believe. And I can't really, I can't force them to see everything from my point of view. So it's kind of that like dual I don't know, two-way road, I guess. Melanie and Gary Allen, you guys had worked for a religious organization. It wasn't necessarily a church, but you guys were a part of this institution that was focused on faith. While you were in it, 
did either of you think that you would be ostracized the way that you were? Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, I remember probably two weeks into the job and I was there for seven years. Uh, the CEO pulled me aside and um, he said, I, I just really need to know what you believe about uh, same sex marriage. And I said, why? Uh, why is that important on any level? Um, and he's like, well, you know, we, we, we just need to know because, you know, because we're Christians here. <laughs> and so, you know, from the very get go, um, I was on, on my heels, uh, as someone who was progressive, as someone who was really asking hard questions and, and also trying to do it with a lot of, of grace, but I definitely felt, um, threatened and, um, honestly, it was fairly traumatizing to live, um, for that long with your, um, financial security tied into your beliefs. And if you didn't conform, you lost your job, uh, which is exactly what happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I think that might be the very definition of, of spiritual abuse. So it definitely was a, a, re a reality for me. For me, it was um, less expected, I guess, uh, because I, I going into that ministry was like full bore evangelical. I mean, I went to the focus on the family leadership Institute. I went to a two week camp in, um, Colorado Springs that basically like indoctrinated me in the worldview. And so I was on board, but it wasn't until 10 years later when I finally left that I realized that I had strayed from those original beliefs. And so it was a slow process for me. And, um, it came out, I wrote for the organization and it came out in my writing and then having people like readers respond and call us crazy names, like fascist and like, God hater and stuff like that. It was, that was when it was like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't think I hate God, but maybe I do. And yeah, so it really wasn't expected for me. So now for everyone, how fast, maybe Catherine, you can kick us off. How fast did you recognize that void now that you're not a part of the team, now that you're not in the club, how quickly did you see that there was something missing and I say that loosely, but there was something missing from your life that used to take up time, energy, emotional capacity. Like how fast was that realization? It wasn't fast. It's, it's, uh, it, it happened over time and in different, different levels. And I say, I, I would say that there was like an initial huge, huge, uh, severing initially. And then, um, I think now, just like in the past few months is when I'm realizing, oh, these people that I used to be super close to, I haven't heard from them in a really long time. And every time I do talk to them, it's like this unspoken rule that we can't address all of these things that we're not allowed to go there. They don't want to go there. They don't ask me about it. And, um, and that I think Honestly, I would say that that's a little more painful than the initial severing of because those people, the people that I've lost recently or have been losing recently were a lot closer. And and it's and I'm realizing that uh, me telling the truth is is affecting our friendship. And that is very grieving for me. I think, well, when I when I <laughs> when I um, stopped going to church was 
about a year before I heard the term deconstruction or really before I now uh, would say that I started deconstructing. Um, And I also at the same time stopped planting a church with that church. And that's kind of what led me to stop um, going to that church was because it was so hard and so painful every time I would walk through the, through the doors as this poster child for this church plant and people who I didn't even know would come up to me and say, Hey, what's going on with that? Like, are you still doing that? How's it going? And I was just like, I can't. So I just stopped going. Um, and, uh, immediately it became super ultra depressed, like non-functional. And so I think that void for me, I didn't realize that, or I attributed the void and that depression to my like losing God, you know, I was kind of going through a faith crisis. I was like, well, they did tell me this was going to happen. You know, I stopped going to church. I become super depressed. And now I realize that, um, I think I was just kind of internally working through some of that toxicity of the whole church plant of being so committed for the first 24 years of my life, spending like working at my church, planting a church with my church. That was literally my life. And then all of a sudden that disappeared. And I, like many people experienced in quarantine, I was given the space to process it. Um, and, uh, I attributed it at first to being my fault for stepping away. That was why I was in this void and in this depression. And now I'm realizing, no, like (laughs) you kind of were just beginning to see so many things that were toxic and it was just really um, a lot to take in all at once. Now, William, one of the reasons I had originally reached out to you and had you on my show was some of the work that you're doing and, and the community that you've found since leaving those ideals. Can you talk a little bit about the new community that either A, you found or what you're developing? All of us, I think, and, and I am interested in everyone's perspective on this, the community that we are forming, whether that's through our content, through our Instagram handles. But William, specifically, if you could kick us off, how have you found a new community that looks nothing like where you came from? Yes. So I think before getting into like the practical forms of community that I'm in now, it would be important to acknowledge the way that the idea of community really shifted for me after leaving like the evangelical church that I was then doing like uh, sunrise mountain walks and like these meditation events with different people and engaging with people and going out for drinks, like where maybe before I wouldn't have had the time and engaging with all these different people in different ways and being like, oh, wait, this is what it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> this is what community is supposed to feel like, where it's genuine, is fun. You can be honest. You can ask the questions. You can say something and mess up and be like, oh, it's okay. Let's talk through that and why that's came up. And that was really healthy for me to go through that period. And then after that, I was looking for churches to settle in, looking for places to go to. And then COVID happened. I hadn't really settled anywhere. Uh, Katie and I have been together for like a y- over a year now. Um, and she had like helped set up a community over in Northern Ireland that was very focused on being in the community, meeting practical needs. And it was less about like a Sunday service and more about actually just being in healthy conversation. So there's two aspects of the community that I've found now 
one of them being a ecumenical organization that I have that Katie and I have recently joined, which is called the Iona Community. They're an organization that's focused on social justice and contemplation. So like faith and action, really. So they have what's called like common concern networks where you're in community with people who are passionate about the same social justice issues. So you can actually act out the faith that you have. So some of those common concern networks are stuff like LGBTQ plus issues climate inequality disarmament like all these different things and so you'll get to be in conversation with people who are doing the work in those areas who are lobbying government who are campaigning who are raising money just this week one of the groups that i'm part of were able to like just quickly it was like eight people raise 500 pound and send it to india to help to actually provide the necessary ppe for for people who are fighting covid in india so when you're actually able to see a tangible impact the tangible what you could maybe call like heaven come to earth sort of thing where people's lives are genuinely being changed for the good um so that's one part of it and the second part of it is just looking to start small communities where we can have the deconstruction conversations that we've been having online the faith conversations that we've been having over instagram over podcasts in person and katie and i are hoping to do some events first of all just to kind of test the water with like how many people are interested in this sort of thing first of all like host it in a bar maybe like a pub theology style thing where we can just do it on a specific topic talk about it and see how people respond and then maybe do it's hard to come up with the terms because you're like i don't want to use the loaded terms like i was going to say small group but then you're like that's so loaded <laughs> like, uh, like just meeting in people's houses having those conversations uh limiting the the amount of people in specific groups like you don't want it to be we don't want it to become like a big organization like a mega church or anything like that we just want it to be this network where people can pop in and out and have healthy community in their area where they are and they can come with whatever questions they have and just be honest and, and not be like guided or set, but just healthy. Um, and it is very, that's a very basic overview of, of where we're at just now, but maybe it gives you some insight into what we're working on. Christians can drink beer. Well, yeah. I mean, I've got a whiskey right now, so well done. it's very Scottish. It's also <laughs> nine o'clock here and I finished one of my finals yesterday, so I have a reason. <laughs> so cheers to that. T uh, Tim, you know, on the other side of that, you are still sort of raw in this, having been escorted out due to asking questions. Uh, you know, what does community look like for you on the horizon? Um, you know, like, are, are you going to put yourself in a position like that again, or have you learned enough and you know exactly what this is? And so you'll never do that again. Well, um, I've had like a pretty, I guess, unique background the past like 15, 16 years. So my community of like core people wasn't mostly inside of the church I was serving at. So I'm pretty well taken care of, um, from others, like friend circle groups that are still Christians that I've just made really close bonds, bonds with, um, it's a long story and it's not, you know, maybe for here, it's already on my, on my podcast. People can listen to it there, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think all we're, all I'm trying to say is I just want real friends. <laughs> I mean, that's all it's pretty basic, you know, like I just want friends in my life that, we can kick back. We can talk theology. We can debate. We can get food. We can 
you know, we can be involved in each other's lives, like as friends. I mean, just a friendship. Um, will I do this again? I mean, there's a chance for sure. I mean, I've been in church long enough. I know, I know how it goes. You know, I know this is like part of the cycle. I'm, I know what I'm signing up for in evangelical spaces. I, I miss the rhythm of music. I mean, I was playing drums there every week and we, we built a really great team, did really good work. I mean, there's just no way around that, you know, as far as like the professionalism of it, it was top notch. Right. So that part I miss, um, I'm and that bonds you to people in a, in a different way musically than it does when you're not doing that with, with people. So yeah, that part I'll, I'll miss for sure. That's probably honestly the biggest allure of going back to like an evangelical space, even if it's just temporary, you know, just like filling in for friends who need a drummer, because I, that's, that's the fun. That's the good part for me. Hearing another, another three point sermon is just like, whatever, right? Like you heard, and it's been 32 years. Like I've heard every single possible sermon acronym, whatever, you know, ways to a better you possible. So I'm not going to be, you know, to eat right. Uh, theologically, that's what podcasts are for. That's what Tim Mackey is for Bible project. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm definitely like hurt for sure, but the three, th out of the four people that I was closest to three of them have really, I'm not going to say they've taken my side, but they really feel like the whole thing was really mishandled by the church. And I, I made it clear to them, like, please don't feel like you have to leave this church because of me. Like you do whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't think you're not choosing me because you're still there because they're very involved in worship too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm honestly pretty taken care of despite like the, the loss of this institution that I gave time to and try to really you know, make work and would always edify on my, even my, my Instagram. I would always use my church as an example of like what, what the evangelical church can do well. Uh, even if it was always anonymous on purpose, right. I didn't name drop them. Um, it just stinks, you know, it just is what it is though. It's part of life. Yeah. Joey, so, I'm curious about you. Me? How, yeah. We haven't heard from you yet. And I'm curious, um, how you've been able to make community I mean, you're still in church, but how have you been able to find community even outside of that? I just keep having kids. <laughs> uh, how have I made community? Uh, it's It's been very similar to Tim's experience, and I think what many of us would agree with, there's a very tight core group of people that have access to my heart, that have access to my struggles, and I'm very selective about that. And sometimes you meet somebody very recently who you just connect with and who you can go deep with. Tim is a great example of that with, with me where we've just really connected, uh, Melanie and Gary Allen. Also, we, you know, I, I think everybody on here, we're not long friends, but we have common, uh, we have common trust with each other. And I think that when that's there, regardless of where you go to church, that's going to be the the thing that gives your friendships, your relationships longevity. And so, you know, how have I created community? I've, I've really, instead of trying to cast a bigger net, I've tried to dig a deeper well, uh, just going deeper with friends, trying to make sure that I'm honest and, uh, as, as transparent as I can be, because those are the, those are the steps that are going to lead to long lasting relationships. And what was that pastor line you dropped about digger deeper wells or something like that? I'm like, Oh, that is a, that is one of those. Don't do this, do this. You know? <laughs> I was going to say, I liked what you said too, about like, there's a core group of people who really know your heart. Um, and, but yet you're not sharing it with everyone because I think that that's what we're taught in our church upbringing is like, 
everybody's trustworthy. Um, and, and we're coming to find very quickly that that's not true. It, we've all been very hurt. And so we just need to find those people who, who aren't coming from that mentality of like, if you disagree with me, you're attacking me, but they're just, they're from a coming from a perspective of like, I just want to hear where you're at and I'm not going to be threatened by that. And I think that that's such an essential aspect of like the real friends that you're talking about, Joey. And that comes with time. You know, that's, that's not the people that you just meet. That's not the, the, the pastor of the new church, just because he has the title doesn't mean he has the position of authority. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a whole can of worms we could open. Um, but when it comes to you, when it comes to your spiritual development, your journey, you're the best barometer for that. You know who you can handle and who you can't. And I think we've all gotten hurt in the past, like you mentioned. And so we have a good gauge on, on people pretty quickly. And so I, th- I think, you know, if our listeners are, are wondering, like, you know, should I trust my gut? Absolutely. You should trust your gut um, because you can always open your heart. But once it's open, if it gets hurt, it's a lot harder to close that again. Going pastor mode. <laughs> one of the biggest um, <laughs> one of the biggest things that I've loved about Instagram is in addition to moving across the country, when I started deconstructing, I moved across the country and a week later, the entire country shut down. Um, so I didn't have any friends here except for my roommates (laughs) and we just kind of were stuck together 24 seven, but finding the deconstruction community on Instagram, when I did eventually last fall, find that community, um, I really love how open and accepting everybody is. And that doesn't mean that I'm, again, sharing the deepest depths of my heart with all of the friends that I make on Instagram. But I do have friends who I can go to and who get the struggles of deconstruction. And I can say like, oh, I just had this really painful experience. Or if you're on my close friend's story, you have seen me rant about like all of the things. And uh, sometimes I'll rant about stuff and people just like reach out one girl who I have never met in real life. I was having a really tough day and she saw that and she sent me like a virtual Starbucks gift card. And I was like, that is so unnecessary, but thank you so much. And I know we're going to talk about this later. Um, so I'm not going to jump the gun too much, but it's been shocking to me what a big blessing social media has been in this time of deconstruction. Shocking. Just, yeah, but amazing. So along that idea of, of community, of, of friendship, from each of your perspective, what's something that you would recommend to somebody listening who's looking for that authentic community? You know, there's a myriad of things that we could do. There's a myriad of ways that we can do community, and that's different for each person. But if somebody has no idea what even to look for, what would you guys recommend as far as authentic, real community? Can I throw something out here about this that I struggle with that I would love perspective on because I very much agree um, with what you said, Emily, like it is pretty amazing to have people who will open up to you and you tend to open up to them. And, you know, Will sent me a gift card when my church stuff happened. It was just like so kind. Right. Um, And I feel like when you talk to someone a little more in person via zoom, it's a little bit different, but I do really wrestle with 
Um, if it's possible to have like what Joey said, authentic community on social media, because I feel like one of the, one of the problems with social media is that it lets you present the version you want to be presented to. Um, and I think the reality is like, if all, if all, you know, seven of us here, uh, were in a, you know, a house for two weeks, it'd be a matter of time, right? Before like there'd be some friction somewhere. And I think for a healthy community, you need that friction. Like you have to learn to give and take with people, right? You have to learn how to, how to maybe lay down your preference for someone else and vice versa and communicate through that. And social media, I don't think people have gone there by choice. I think that because the evangelical church has kicked so many of us out, right? And they don't want to hear us. We've just like made this work, right? We're like, listen, Clubhouse done, Instagram done, whatever we can do to, to somehow communicate like we're going to do. Um, but I do, I think on a personal level, I think I wrestle with like the long-term implications of that. Right. I, I just do, because I don't know, I, I don't know how deep you can go with someone um, via like social media that really gives them that real sense of like the other person is in the room with them, walking through something with them. So I, I, I agree with that. I think it's a matter of perspective about what you're there for. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not making my podcast to get, I'm, I'm there to give. Right. And I'm there to foster conversations. It's my responsibility to exactly what you said, find that, but I can't find it. If I'm looking for it on Instagram, I'm never going to find it. Well, not in the true sense. I think you're right. But I think that a lot of people and all of us are different. Like I'm very fortunate. Like I said earlier, I have really good friends in my life who, who who will walk with me no matter what. I've known them for over 15 years. They've been in my weddings. Right. And, and, and we're still friends. You have those people, but a lot of people don't have those people, right? Like like their church community was everything. And it, now it's just them. And they're in the middle of who knows the middle of nowhere. And there's no one out there in their circles who even have heard the term deconstructing. And they found this community, whatever on podcast, Instagram, Facebook. And so I think there's obviously a need there. Right. But like long-term I'm like, Hmm, like how do we get this to be like in people's actual physical communities one day? That's kind of like the dream for me, I think. I feel like it's kind of a phase two also of the deconstructing journey. Um, and, and I think that it's okay to, if that is your only community right now, especially if leaving a community has been really recent for someone having just that safe place where you're like constantly hearing from people who um, have had similar experiences and yes, it's not sustainable long-term, but, and, but so many, so many of us because of COVID have had to default to that. And that is our only community right now. And I think that we, we can embrace that and we can be excited about that, but then realize like there is that phase two that is going to have to come eventually. Um, but sometimes it's just really good to just like, not have to think about that aspect of it right now. And then that'll come, it'll come later, but um, yeah, I think it'll come. I think that's a desire across the board, at least from the conversations that I've had. Um, so many people are, because I've brought this up on my stories before. So people have seen that. And so, so many people reach out to me and they're like, Hey, when are you going to like do this retreat thing? We want to meet people in person. Like we want to start building authentic relationships in person after COVID. And I agree that social media relationships probably aren't sustainable in the long term, but also 
It's so weird. I think all the time about how there is zero precedent for how social media is impacting relationships. Like none, there's never been such quick access to people before. Um, So I think part of it's just going to be a waiting game. And uh, I think part of it, I mean, I'm a big believer that like everything is nuanced and everything is super contextual. So part of it probably just like depends on the people and again, what you're looking for in those relationships. Um, But I'm excited to see what does happen through these connections that we've made and how it does like manifest into something bigger, into something really big, because I think that it will. I don't think it cannot at this point. I feel like we're too far down the line. <laughs> you know, for me, one of the things that I've been surprised by is the people who are more in line with or who understand where I'm coming from more than I realized, because a lot of them were in these spaces that I thought. I, they were actually people who I thought there is no way, like they will not understand this. And then through me kind of being more vocal on different social media platforms on my personal accounts, I've had people reach out that I was just, I mean, I've been blown away. And obviously like you have to be at a place where you're ready to be vulnerable like that and know that there's going to be people who just don't understand. And they're going to, they're going to come into your DMS and they're going to, they're going to let you know that they're concerned for your soul. But when you're ready for that, the more, the more honest and open you can be, the more authentic, like just living into your current truth, wherever that is in your faith, I think that you'll find surprising places where people are like, you know what, me too. And I'm so glad you spoke up and you then can, and those are people like in my life now that I see or can meet up with personally that I never thought would have had this kind of friendship with. And now it's a much better friendship, but it took me being willing to kind of put myself out there and then like quickly rein it in with the people who weren't ready. And then realize that there are plenty of people out there that I just didn't expect were having similar questions. One thing, uh, obviously earlier on, we spoke about the the void that can sometimes come when you first lose that community of being part of the church. And just to come back to that last question you asked of something that you'd recommend for people that are actually looking for a community. I actually think that the, that void can be a good thing in some cases, at least for some period of time, it could be a little bit of time, it could be a long time. And I think COVID has shown that in some cases where a lot of us have like stopped from our jobs and been like, actually, wait, my job's really unhealthy. Maybe I should look at changing career path or there's those sort of things. But um, when you're looking at it in relation to the church, when you stop and you experience that void, I know that for myself personally, there was so much of my identity and Gary, you kind of touched on it earlier that was tied up with the church and I didn't really know who I was as an individual. So I think discovering who you are apart from any church, apart from any even deconstruction like page that, because we all have our own views on certain issues and we all have our own biases and are all going in different directions and all land in different spaces so sometimes like consuming a lot of content from it can pull you in all these different directions and you're still just as confused as to who you are as an individual so sometimes just staying in that void for a little bit doing things that you enjoy with people that you love to be with can help you rediscover who you are as an individual and then reconnect because then you'll find the community that is 
good for you easier because you're able to find they're my people when they speak i'm like my heart starts to like light up and that i think is a much healthier way to find community than just kind of darting about and being like is this right are these people going to hurt me are they not i don't know but if you find out who you are first and it's a good way to discover a healthy community afterwards yeah, we, we just started looking, my wife and I in particular, because we left evangelicalism about seven years ago, and then we became Episcopalians, uh, and we kind of thought that was the end of the road, right? Like, can you be any more progressive or liberal than uh, an Episcopalian? And we found out, uh, actually, you can. Um, and so instead of trying to push our way into closed doors or, um, you know, elbow, elbow our way into a table that really didn't want us anymore, we we kind of stepped back and said, who is inviting us and where are they going? And uh, we, we started looking for just open invitations, uh, whether it be at church or whether it be at um, in, in other places and began to realize that um, we were actually looking in the wrong direction. We were maybe angry because we couldn't fit in over here or we weren't wanted over here. And I think a part of that maturation was realizing you know what? That's not where we're supposed to be anyways. Um, we, we're not going to be healthy and happy there either, but wow, these people are scary over here. <laughs> like, like they're even further down the road than us. And, but it did lead us into a, a very beautiful new community of mystics and monks and, um, a, a part of a vowed religious community that is, um, a, a very niche within a niche within a niche. And we would have never known that we, we didn't even know that community existed, but just being open, trusting our gut, and then basically asking, is anyone inviting us to a table? And what does that table look like? Ooh, there's one. Let's, let's go check it out. And that's been very beneficial for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could, keep going and we probably will at some point but guys this has been a great conversation i think it's only the tip of the iceberg we will do this again uh just give our listeners where they can connect with you tell them about your podcast and where they can follow you on social media and nobody wanted to start i'll go first <laughs> You can find us at Dismantle Pod anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Dismantle Pod. Um, this is Tim. You can find my podcast, The New Evangelicals. You can find me on Instagram at The New Evangelicals. You can find me on Twitter at The New Evangelicals with no E because The New Evangelicals was taken. So I had to improvise. <laughs> Uh, I'm Melanie and I'm with the Holy Heretics podcast. So you can find us on all the podcast apps. Um, just search Holy Heretics. And then um, we're on Instagram as at Holy Heretics podcast. And then we're on Facebook and Twitter as at Holy Heretics. This is Emily and you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts at postmo at the Postmodern Fish podcast. Um, and we're on Instagram at the Postmodern Fish and we are on Twitter. I believe our handle is at postmodernfish underscore because some fisherman guy had taken the postmodern fish. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I was really confused. I'm Catherine Spearing and the Uncertain Podcast is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, which is a, a nonprofit community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. So the website is tearsofeden.org. 
on Instagram. It's at Uncertain Podcast. On Facebook, it's Tears of Eden. And the podcast Uncertain is on just Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I am William from The Space Between. Our podcast is just The Space Between podcast. And we are on Instagram at The Space Between UK. And the website is just thespacebetweenpod.com. Brilliant. Well, guys, thanks again for being willing to come together. This has been so fun, and I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> thanks, buddy. Thanks, Joey. Great job, Joey. Thanks for making Thank this you. happen. Yay. Thanks, Joey. That's for Joey. Bunch of claps. We, we did it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Catherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time. Yes.